0: Welcome to Conversations with My Lens. That's me. I'm your host, a photographer obsessed with helping women lead unapologetically. On this show, you will hear not only from me but from other amazing women who inspire me and are making a difference in the community. What does that mean leading unapologetically? To me, it's leading from a place of authenticity without apologies. In other words, not seeking approval for being yourself, what you care for and value. My goal with this podcast is to inspire and help women develop powerful confidence in themselves and recognize the value we bring to the community and the world as a whole. Whether you are a stay at home mom, entrepreneur, pursuing a career, or growing your business, we are here to build each other up. Let's learn and grow together. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast, the show that empowers women to lead unapologetic, unapologetically. <laughs> if you're new to the community, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Mayi Lens, and my guest today is Rachel Burns. She is a certified financial planner and certified divorce financial analyst. We're going to be talking about a subject that not many want to talk about or Even think about the death of a spouse, a partner, or a loved one. When you're dealing with grief, finances is the last thing someone wants to think about. Trust me, I'm telling you from my experience, and my beautiful guest is going to tell you about her experience. Hello, Rachel. It's so good to have you here with us today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself
1: and your journey to becoming a financial planner. Sure. So I've been in the business for probably about 15 years. And I knew that I wanted to be a financial advisor when I was in college. And so I it was a pretty like as soon as I graduated, I I got a job um, in the in- industry in the in the advisor training program. And I worked for Big, big wealth management firms, like big corporate firms, and um, which was a really great place to learn and a really great place. You know, I was brand new. I'll, I just was like in my early twenties, and um, I thought, thought that that's what being a financial advisor was—that you go to work for a big firm and you work with clients who have a minimum of several hundred thousand dollars, and that's that's kind of what that job entailed. But um, over the years. I found that I naturally gravitated towards women in transition, whether women going through a divorce, women whose spouse had passed away, or women who were going through some sort of difficult life transition that had a lot of financial challenges associated with that. And although I knew that I enjoyed working with women like that, I couldn't just work with women like that. Like, that's not really how you do it at the big companies like that. You can't really, like, say, work with women. Like you just kind of take, you take what you get. And, um, after some things that happened in my personal life, which I'm sure we'll get into, I, I kind of reassessed my career and I reshuffled my priorities and I realized, you know, I get so much more satisfaction working with women in transition that like, why don't I just do that? Like, like I can do that. I, I, so I decided to start my own firm so that I could just work with women in transition and I never thought that that would even be a possibility. I didn't know what owning a company would look like and how easy that would be to get going and it was really scary, but I did I launched my own co- firm and that's that's all I specialize in now and it's just been the most rewarding, gratifying experience. I'm just working with the clients and I'm passionate about because I only work with women In that type of situation, I just can get super specialized and I can tailor everything about my services is so tailored to someone who's in that situation. And so that's how I ended up here. And it's just been, it's been a kind of crazy journey, but it's now that I'm here, I'm like, oh, all of this led to this, this, there's a reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is what I meant to do. And I've never felt more clear, you know, I, I've i never been more clear knowing that I'm doing what I need to be doing right now.
0: And when you said um, that you couldn't say it in the firm, was it because legal um, standpoint or just because so, you cannot specialize in it's helping just women? It's
1: difficult to specialize. Yeah, mm. it's difficult to specialize because the the big companies tell you, okay, this is how you're going to do your job. This is, these are the tools that you have to work with. This is how you're going to market. You know, they, they don't let you have a lot of creativity in that, which is fine. Cause I was, I was new and I was young and I appreciated having the direction, but wow. if I wanted to just work with women, I couldn't really change what I was doing to, mm. I couldn't customize things for them. And there are so many limitations with marketing that it would be just difficult to reach those women so that they knew that I was there. It was like I was limited to their marketing methods and it just wouldn't have worked that well. I ha- I knew I had to go out on my own if, I, if that's what I wanted to do. Mm. Oh, that's inter interesting.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about what can newly single women do to secure her financial future and maybe tell us a little bit about why wait until something, you know, happens. Um, yeah. not everybody's thinking about getting a divorce or, you know, expecting somebody to die to, right. you know, so what can we do proactive before we get into the what yeah. happens after so
1: ideally? Yeah. So ideally you don't wait until there's an emergency. Ideally you think about things before something happens. And I'm not saying, oh, you need to sit there and worry about every bad thing that could possibly happen to you and you need to prepare for it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying life is uncertain and there's there's only so much we can do to prepare. But one thing that we can do to prepare financially is understanding your own financial situation, knowing what you have, knowing what you owe, knowing what your income looks like, knowing what your expenses look like. It might seem kind of basic, but a lot of people don't have that kind of basic awareness of their own finances. And a lot of times it's because maybe they're married and maybe their spouse is the one that handles that. Or maybe, you know, they're young and they haven't really learned about finances yet or whatever. But there's a lot of people who just, for whatever reasons, are not really in touch with their finances. and. What happens is if something unexpected happens and you don't even know what you have, you don't even know how to manage your own finances, you could find yourself in a situation where you have to learn really quick and it's really scary and really stressful when you're going through some sort of traumatic event and you need to make all these financial decisions and you need to figure this out really quick. It just adds like an unnecessary level of stress to an already difficult situation. So the way yeah. the one thing that you can do is just have an understanding of your finances, even if you're married, even if you even if you make good money and you don't need to worry about budgeting, but like understand what you have. And another just really basic thing is having an emergency fund, which I feel like people roll my roll their eyes when I emergencies are absolutely going to happen to you. There's a hundred percent chance that something unexpected is going to happen to you. And if you say, oh, my car needs new tires. I don't have money for that. It's like, well, you know, that's not even that like you, you could have kind of seen that one coming. We need to put tires on our car every once in a while. There's some things that are truly you can't see them coming. Like if someone dies unexpectedly or if you have a medical problem. I mean, there's certain things that We don't know what's going to happen, but we know that something unexpected is going to happen and having cash set aside so that if something unexpected happens, you don't have to sell things that you don't want to sell. You don't have to get on. You don't have to use your credit cards. You don't have to borrow money. You don't have to get a GoFundMe page like having some cash set aside for those circumstances that we can absolutely foresee that something is going to happen. That's like the most basic foundational step that you can take in just securing your finances. Because what happens is that worst case scenario, you kind of take off the bottom, like the the very, very worst is you kind of chop off the bottom part of that. So it's like, okay, well, even if the worst thing happens, I'm still financially going to be okay.
0: My favorite author always says, Common sense is not always common practice. (laughs) We know that we need to prepare for all this stuff, but nobody wants to talk about it because nobody wants to die, right? And tomorrow, we always say tomorrow. And why I say common sense is not always common practice is because when my sister passed away five years ago, I had done a wheel uh, for myself and my husband. Um, If something was to happen, I still have to update that. Even after my sister passed, I was like, we need to prepare. We need to prepare. You know, tomorrow, we'll do it tomorrow. And we still haven't done it. Uh, I know. Yeah. This is crazy. And I'm going to tell you from my experience, um, when my sister passed away, it was very difficult because my niece was only 14 years old. I had to run to do all this financial stuff and not not her money because it wasn't much that she left or but it was me getting custody of my niece because she was underage like if anything happens at school I had to run and be the person who took care of her um yeah so how can we Knowing this, that we have to do it. How can someone prepare financially for the death of a loved one? And it doesn't have to be just your spouse, um, but, you know, it could be, in my case, my sister.
1: Yeah, so the the hard part is you can't, there's probably not anything you could have done to prevent some of the complications that you had when your sister passed away, I think it's individual to have their own estate plan. And that is something that's not on a lot of people's radar. Like Mm. most, most people, especially young, healthy people are not thinking I need to have an estate plan. It's like, they don't even know what that is. It sounds like a rich people thing. So they think, (laughs) oh, I don't need to do that. Or they have a lot of misconceptions like, oh, well, I have this will that I wrote on a piece of paper, it's in my drawer, like that should be enough. But the reality is, if something unexpected happens to any of us, whether we die or whether we are incapacitated, there's a lot of rules and laws that's what's going to happen. And sometimes the the law is not what you... like. Sometimes the default law is not what you would have wanted. So maybe... Mm. You know, Maybe if, if something happened to you, you would want your sister to take care of your kids and not your parent, or maybe you wouldn't want your ex-spouse to be in charge of the money that you leave your children or something. You might have specific things in your mind, like, this is how I would want this to play out if something happened. But if you don't communicate that, and if you don't put it in writing and make it official, then- We don't know what happens after, if something unexpected happens, we're really at the mercy of whatever the court process is or whatever the rules are. And so you really need to have an estate plan, even if you think, oh, I don't have enough money to need that. I think at a minimum, you need to have, you need to think about, want to make decisions for me um for my finances or for my medical decisions if something were to if i couldn't speak for myself let's say i was in a coma you need to know who's going to be the person who's going to be in charge of making decisions for you and that might not be obvious you know if if you're married maybe oh well obviously it would be my spouse but like so obvious maybe you you really wouldn't want your you know your cousin like deciding whether or not to pull the plug on you or whatever like you need to make that stuff clear and especially if you have children Especially if you have underage children, you absolutely need to have a plan in place for the unexpected. Because thankfully, you stepped in and were able to take care of your niece and do all that stuff. But um, what if you weren't in the picture? And what, I mean, it, it's just—it's really scary to think about our, what would happen to our kids if something happened to us. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things, a lot of things prepare. That's kind of basic stuff. You just do it one time, but you can prevent tragedy from happening because you know that, you know, I know my kids are taken care of and I know, I know that I know what's going to happen. You know, if, if something happens to me, that's something that everyone needs to think about. It's not something that, Oh, I'll, I'll deal with that when I'm like 70 or I'll deal with that when I have millions of dollars. It's like, no, we all need to think about that and there's really basic documents you can put in place for really inexpensive to take care of that kind of stuff. So, and it, I getting back to your question, really <laughs> we all have done our own planning, but the thing is we don't know if our family's done that planning. Right. We don't we can't make them. And even if they have done it, maybe they haven't updated it or whatever. So there's there's not a lot we can do to prevent our family members From having a lack of planning, we can encourage them like and I know that's an incredibly awkward conversation to have. Yes. But I have taken both my parents. I've taken both my parents to an estate planning attorney and had them draw up trusts and wills and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, obviously, I don't want them to die. But like, this is just this is just basic, like financial stuff. Like you just have to have these documents. It's not we don't need to get into the super morbid stuff. But we do need to have, have these basic documents in place.
0: Yeah. And that's super important. And like I was saying, um, that, that is a difficult conversation to have. I know when my sister was sick, um, I knew when the doctor told me you need to prepare, um, I, I couldn't even talk to her about it. And one day I was at the hospital and when she was going through chemo, and we were talking there, her hair started, you know, falling. Um, and she got up to go to the sink to wash her hands. And when I saw her back with all her hair gone, I mean, I just, I couldn't even tell her, listen, we need to think about this. Um, not, and And the conversation went like this. Um, listen, we need to, um, do a planning, you know, like maybe, um, what do you call that, um, attorney, the,
1: um, oh my goodness, power of
0: attorney, power of attorney, just in case something happens, you know, not that, not that nothing is going to happen to you. We're going to fight this and you're going to be good, but just in case, you know, um, you go out of the state to get chemo and I need to take care of your daughter That's how I had to change the conversation. And then she was like, we were like, oh, okay. You know, yeah, tomorrow, we'll take care of tomorrow. And that tomorrow never happened. Unfortunately, she passed away. And um, she had told me, and one of the points that you said is taking care of um, if you go in a coma. She went into a coma and she told me, I don't want to get, um, if I'm, I'm life support, I don't want to come back because I I, I don't. Don't bring me back. And so at that moment, when she was in the coma and the nurse told me, you know what? Um, This is it. Um, She's not going to come back. If I unplug her, she's not going to breathe on her own. And my mom couldn't do it. Like, she couldn't do it. Like, when I said, okay, we have to unplug her, I mean... Right now I'm just getting a little emotional but you know my next question would be when what is the difference between um or not let me rephrase that how, how can working with a financial planner help you after going through the death of a spouse a loved one or a divorce it doesn't have to be uh, the death of somebody But there was, I found out that there was a difference between, uh, and maybe you can talk a little bit about that. When I met this financial planner at a networking event, and we were, you know, talking about the process about my sister and what's on when she passed away. Unfortunately, we didn't do it on time. But when she passed away, she said, I cannot help you anymore. You have to go through an attorney and do all the estate planning. Can, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so there's certain tasks that you are faced with after the death of a loved one that s- some of those things, a financial planner can help with. Some of those things are are something that an estate planning attorney can help with. And um, anything anything related to like how the will or how the trust is going to be carried out like that's all legal stuff that a financial planner can't help with. But what a financial plan, like what I help clients with is what are the things that we need to actually worry about right after? Because right, Mm. right after someone passes away, you don't want to be worried about, oh, I need to go and change my bank accounts and do this. Like you want to just focus on taking care of yourself and you only want to worry about things that you absolutely have that like have to be done right then. So, so what I do is I help them figure out, okay, what are the things that have to be done right now? And what are the things that we can put off until later when things have settled down a little bit? And a lot of times certain things do need to be done right away that are kind of complicated. So, um, I'll give you an example whose husband passed away and all of their really basic, uh, you know, bills like their internet and phones and all that stuff. It was all set up on auto pay from his oh. individual checking account. So when someone passes away, their individual accounts get frozen. All of the money was in this individual account. Literally all of their savings was in this individual account. And so she not only had all of her payments were not being paid. you know all of her bills weren't being paid, but she didn't have access to cash. And so she had to wait until, um, this account could go through the process bait, which is, that's a long story in itself, but it was going to be quite a long time before she can get access to this cash. And she had to pay her bills. I mean, she had to pay her utilities and her property taxes and stuff. And it was this really big problem wow. getting her access to the money that she needed. So that was something that we needed to work on. Right. We had to, um, retitle certain accounts that she had inherited from him so that she can get access for, you know, access to money from them. So those are things that, and the state and the state planning attorney helps with some of those things, but a financial planner can help with a lot of like, okay, what do we need to do with these accounts and these investments and how do we get it into your name? Um, there's a lot that a financial planner can help with.
0: What will be, like if somebody's listening now and they are in the process of planning, right? Um, I will say that the most important thing is just to call you. <laughs> but what will you say is the the number one thing that if if you don't do anything else today, what will you do? And and maybe tell them a little bit about your story. Because you have a very interesting story and and a happy, you had a happy ending to your story.
1: Yeah. So there's a reason why I kind of was attracted to working with women in transition. So five years ago, um, my husband was diagnosed with brain tumor. And so, and it was, it was crazy because we found out about his brain tumor a day after we found out that I was pregnant and um, so it was like one day found out we were pregnant the next day he had a seizure and they did an MRI and they found out he had a brain tumor and like, you can't always tell the MRI what kind of tumor it is. They kind of need to like go in and take it out and do the testing to see what type mm-hmm. it is. And so we really thought it was like a slow growing, um, you know, not so scary type of brain tumor. Cause he had had one when he was a kid that was not cancerous it was just taken out and it it eventually came back after you know many many years and so we weren't super concerned about it but after he had the surgery and they did the testing and they realized it was a very very aggressive form of brain cancer and the life expectancy is extremely short wow. um the statistics are really bad for that one of the most deadly types of cancer there is and then right before his surgery, we found out that we we were actually having twins. So it was like, just like all this information, like all this news that we had to digest. And so, um, I really didn't know what to expect with, with his didn't know. I honestly didn't know if he would live to see the kids being born. And we did as much preparation as we could, you know, I'm a financial planner. So I was very familiar with a lot of the preparations that we needed to do. And so We did. um, We went to an estate planning attorney. We did a trust. We did all this stuff. And even being in my profession and even doing, okay, we did all the things that we were supposed to do and we have all the right insurance. We have disability insurance and life insurance. It was still really scary, like really, really scary. And we're going to have two kids all of a sudden. And what if we don't have his income? What if we you know, I was, I, I had no idea what to expect and it was really scary. And I was thinking if I'm this scared of my future and my family's financial future, imagine if I didn't have that like professional experience and, and that education, like that would be so much scarier, like really not, not understanding the financial parts of that. And I thought, oh, that's, that's terrible that there are people who are going through, trauma or grief. And then they also have this like special decisions to make that they don't understand. And that I I got really passionate about helping people in that situation because I have the tools to make their life easier in that one aspect there. Obviously I can't help with the personal stuff that they're going through, but what I can do is I can take the financial stress or at least give them, give them more of an understanding to help alleviate their stress and so that's um that's a big part of my story that's a big part of why i do what i do with my company now it's just because life is life's crazy unexpected stuff happens to all of us and we have to we have to adapt and we have to keep moving forward and we have to empower ourselves to 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 take care of ourselves going forward we can't we can't just like oh, I give up, you know, this is, it's like, we just got to keep, keep, keep going on. So. Yeah,
0: we got to keep going. So (laughs) I will say that from, from everything that you've been saying, the most important thing to do right now will be to get in touch with, um, a financial planner and that will be right. Um, many of you offer a free consultation. I will
1: I don't know. I'm just asking you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, I do. I do. And I would say, even if you're healthy, even if you're married, even if things are great, um, try to try to learn what you need to know to have a good understanding of your finances. That's something that everyone benefits from. And if you are facing a difficult situation, like a divorce, or if someone's sick, or you know, meeting with a financial planner, you don't have to work with them. You can just have a talk with them, but like, they can probably give you a couple of pieces of advice that can really help. Um, and then if you've, you know, if you're, if you're, if you've already been divorced or or if someone has already passed away, then, and the financial planner could certainly help kind of reassess your situation and kind of come up with a good plan going forward. Cause it's hard. That stuff's hard, and you don't have to figure it out on your own. You're not. Yeah. No one's expecting you to be a financial expert.
0: Yeah, it's hard, and and the saddest part is that your tomorrow may never come, and it's the people that we leave behind that will go through all this stress. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just crazy. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna switch it up a little. It it's been a little gloomy, a little sad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the what I'm a photographer, so I would love to ask you this question. What is your perception of beauty? And maybe you I know, can give you a little um a little thing to to maybe think about. Not to change your answer, but <laughs> to me, beauty um is I know it's crazy, but it's. I, I feel it's all around us, and not only the beauty in the uh, sense of the person. There, um, oh my goodness, I'm I'm losing my thoughts here today thinking about planning for for death.
1: <laughs> I know, I know.
0: <laughs> it's it's on abandoned places like those places are dead, and I'm thinking what's the story behind this beautiful place one day was beautiful you know so what is your perception
1: so once i became a mom i found beauty in everything and it's it's funny i i i kind of i didn't really know that that changed my perception of beauty and then i was i just like even looking at strangers on the street and I'm, I'll am i just see someone. I'm like, oh, that she's just so beautiful. And it's not just people like I i mean, I'm looking out my window right now and it's fall and um, there's like maple trees that are Aww. turning bright orange and red. And I'm just like, oh, this is great. I get to look at this tree or I'll see little birds that come by my window. Like everything is beautiful beautiful. I mean, there's, there's beauty in ordinary things. And what I love about when I, when I see something beautiful, I think how unnecessary is this beauty? I mean, like, is, is this functional? Is this serving a function in the universe or is it just beautiful just because, which makes it more magical? Like, Mm. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I just, I'm like really I really like admire things in a different way. And it's once I had kids, it just kind of rewired my brain because, because when I look at them, I'm like, there's nothing more beautiful than a little, little brand new person. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that, that is so true. Wow. Yeah. When you become a mom everything changes, everything changes. Yeah. I I I didn't believe my mom until I became a mom.
1: <laughs> you know I how know. they
0: usually tell you: you will never know until you become one. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so now it's not, not, no, whatever. Now I tell that much to my kids. I have teenagers. Yours, they're twin twin boys, right? His
1: yeah, name? twin boys. Yeah. Oh my
0: god! So now it's like I tell it to my teenage girls. Oh one day you're going to be a mom and you're going to understand. And now I get it when my mom and my grandmother used to tell me that I was beautiful. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's because you're my mom. And I'm like, no, for real. Like I look at my kids, they're gorgeous. And I tell them the same things. And sometimes they're like, Oh, whatever. You're my mom. And I'm like, so now this is what she used to tell me.
1: (laughs) I tell my kids every day, like yesterday, one of them. So my, they're four, they're four year olds. And I was like, I was just sitting there looking at them and I'm like, why are you so cute? Like, (laughs) why? (laughs) Like, like I'm just like, they're just so amazing. And I'm like, oh, it's like hurts to look at them. Okay, so now this is the fun part. That was fun too.
0: Uh, What was something (laughs) you stopped apologizing for that helped you level up in your business? And let me give you a little background on this one. To me, being unapologetically you means being true to who you are and what you believe in. In other words, not seeking approval to show up authentically in order to blend in, not shrinking just to meet the
1: standards of other people. What was that something for you? I'm I'm having a hard time thinking of something specific, but I would say in general, I have stopped apologizing for things and I don't mean like it only tripped someone I mean like if, if if someone asked me oh can you meet this day I don't say oh I'm sorry I I'm busy like you don't have to apologize for things unless you tripped them or you you know like <laughs> sneezed on someone or something like <laughs> you like need me not being available when someone wants me to be available is not something i need to apologize for or me not being able to do something that is requested of me is not something i need to apologize for and um i think i learned that when i started working for myself and i had boundaries i was like mm. i don't want to do that or i can't do that or you know i don't have the time for that like i just and i just learned Like, I don't need to apologize for that. This is just, and people don't, I don't think people are seeking apologies from us too, as much as, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's almost like the more you apologize, the more the other person is like, oh, is there something that I should be like upset at her for? (laughs) Like, it's like, just stop apologizing, just in general, unless it's like really warranted, unless you do something wrong, which that doesn't happen very often.
0: Yeah, you know, some something that somebody told me is like the apology after you know when you say no and you give um, a but to it. Oh, but because but because we we start apologizing for that and that is so true. Um, Saying no, it's something really difficult for people to do, and I'm and that includes myself. But I found that also, you know, like setting boundaries it's it's very liberating. oh my goodness. it is you know, yeah, you know especially maybe um in your business that you give and I'm not, I'm not just talking about free stuff, you know, like everybody expects um uh, something free, but um it's saying no and that's and not attaching something to it. Yeah, no, maybe no, maybe we can do this another day. Not because I'm going to a meeting, because I'm going this, because I'm doing this. As business owners, we know that we are pretty busy. <laughs> well, it depends on what business we we're talking about. Yeah. Also, but that's that's a whole new topic. <laughs> but yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And Rachel, the links to where people can connect with you will be provided on the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much for all the knowledge you share with us today. Where are you most active? What is, from all the links that I'm going to put, what is the number one place that people can just go? Uh, Is it uh, your website or your social media accounts?
1: Website um, is good, but I'm, I'm very active on Instagram. And I love connecting with people on Instagram. So either of those places are a good place to get in touch. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family and consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell us what you think on social media. On Instagram and Twitter at Mayi and on Facebook page, Conversations with Mayi Lens. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time, talk to you soon.